0: Welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as
1: we explore the mysteries of Scripture. The realm of God. And freedom through Christ.
0: So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Snake hey, welcome Snakebirds to a fresh episode of the cast. In today's profile episode, we'll meet a man who was born blind and see him receive his sight. Ah, see what I did there? <laughs> and we'll also meet a group of religious leaders who are supposed to be the watchmen on the wall of spiritual leadership in this area who are blinded by the light. Stephen, who are we profiling today? Well, Snakebirds, we hope you're ready for another profile. And though it is a
1: profile, it's unique because we can't put a name to this character. I guess we could call him Voldemort, but it's, <laughs> just, not our...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just not our usual profile. His name um, is
0: Humphrey. 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> the circumstances around this character, they just land us in a realm of dissecting not only him as a character, but also the entire passage where this whole scene takes place. Yeah. Um, the, the people around him, uh, some of the topics talked about concerning him. Uh, so at least from my angle, this is going to be kind of an unraveling of scripture where we, we dissect several ideas along with the character himself.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that was really a great intro, but I almost didn't catch any of it because you took me straight to Dwight Schrute land. Because Jim was like, Valda, and Dwight's like, oh, you yeah. must not be named. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Totally. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that one gladly. Okay. I was like, shh, <laughs> we
1: can't say his name out loud. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd because it's, uh, what, chapter nine of John is dedicated to this guy, a whole chapter, but we don't got his name.
0: No, no, and it never mentions it. And I I was all excited to do a little bit of deep dive to see if historians or theologians had come up with a name because there's even a name for the rich man uh, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. His name is Dives. And so I was like, clearly somebody has to have a speculation of what this guy's name is. And. So far, I guess the best one is Baltimore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so, nothing, nothing yeah. in the historical record. Yeah,
0: nothing that I, that I could find. Arrhenius or somebody.
1: Oh, have yeah. something.
0: <laughs> you, you would hope, but yeah. no, I didn't find anything. No.
1: I didn't search after I saw it wasn't in Scripture, so I was hoping that you would find it, but unfortunately. (laughs) But yeah, we're going to just kind of take a a verse-by-verse approach with this thing, reading portions here and there and Mm -hmm. just unraveling the story. I I think that's probably the best way we should do it, Josh. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting because you just mentioned John chapter 9, but this is coming off the heels of a climactic ending to John chapter 8, where the Pharisees are wanting to stone Jesus for saying that he is the I am. Right. And now we find him encountering a blind man and doing exactly what we'd expect him to do. Instead of running with his tail between his legs, he's like, hey, I'm still going to be me.
1: Yeah, so he not only called himself I am and is on the heels of that, like you said, but he's going to do this this next miracle on a sabbath right afterwards yeah. Yeah. which we'll
0: see as it unfolds but it, it's like doubling down on the heat it, exactly uh-huh it's he's those... already america's most wanted and
1: yeah and he gets one more hit on the way out to the next mission <laughs> he's robbing know? a bank yeah
0: <laughs> I, I don't know jerusalem's most wanted yeah right. yeah i like it yeah And I wanted to say up front that I also feel like this is a pretty comical story because to me it kind of reads like a biblical version of who's on first with (laughs) a lot of the Pharisees missing the point completely. Yeah. Because they're doing, I, I think I found four different interrogations where they're like, what, who? How? Huh? What? You? You know, it, yeah. it, it, a lot of times the way that they answer is like very short to the point And they're just like, uh, I still don't get it. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's just the way I read. Yeah, I no, read.
1: There, it does have a lot of that feel to it. And, yeah. then, and then as we see towards the end, some of the stuff the blind guy says back to them. Yes. I mean, it, it is it's quite a, a story.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot of the commentators that I saw said, man, this guy was quick witted yeah because every time he would throw their words back at them
1: as encounters with jesus usually happened, he had an extra boost of confidence to <laughs> yeah. do some funny yeah. stuff at the end yeah
0: yeah you could see that he'd been thinking about things <laughs> yeah
1: he might, <laughs> he might not have saw them at first but... yeah
0: <laughs> yeah sorry for All any right. of those cited puns
1: enough um So I say we just jump into it. I know that that I, and like I said, we're going to be unpacking not only the character, but some of the ideas of of what is being said and whatnot. So I know in the first two verses, I have a little bit to say right Mm -hmm. after them. So, um, Josh, I don't know if you have any more prep work before we jump into it, but uh, a couple disclaimers back to back that I, I figured I should mention.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, depending on the profile, a lot of times we won't necessarily dive in and read a whole chapter. Um, we'll just summarize what's going on. In this case, we almost have to. We have to read it verse by verse and make comments. So It warrants it. It does. It really does, because otherwise you just miss some really good nuggets of truth yeah. and uh, encountering from this story. So, yeah, let's, let's dive in. Let's get to mining the nuggets. So let's just start in verse 1 of chapter
1: 9. Yeah. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We we just got in <laughs> pretty deep into the story here. So Two let's verses take, in. I yeah. <laughs> you know, feel silly almost <laughs> stopping right there. Yeah. But it warrants a stop because it's an odd question for them just right out of the gate to see a blind guy and just say, who sent? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, where did they get that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I did see um, one of the main reasons the disciples probably asked this question was because the rabbis of the day, they taught based on the story of Jacob and Esau that a person could sin in the womb. Thus, the birth defect was a consequence of that. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. And as far as the parents sinning, um, they would base that off of Exodus 25, where God would visit the iniquities of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And, uh, you know, perhaps we could do a generational curses episode at some point. But mm-hmm. um, just to settle this little little part up, John Corson said the following about reaping the consequences of parents' sin. He says, is this what God means when he says, a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation? No. That's the Godfather, not Father God. (laughs) Exodus 25 simply means that God doesn't change the rules. He continues to visit, deal with, convict, and judge generation after generation. So I thought that was at least partially insightful uh, when trying to grasp why people of that day might believe that a blind man was suffering as a consequence of sin. Mm -hmm. The reason they would right off the bat just ask Jesus, who sinned when they saw a blind guy? That's the reason. There was kind of that stuff circling in the the teaching. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I could think of them going, "Where the sin at?" <laughs> yeah, I smell
1: sin. There's a yeah, blind man.
0: <laughs> yeah, which um, one commentator speculated that as they passed him, of course, we have to understand that a blind person's usually their only occupation was being a beggar, mm-hmm. because. They couldn't work. They had a lower position in society. People saw them as second-class citizens. And so a lot of times they were relegated to just begging for everything that they had. And one commentator suggested that he was actually, as he was begging, spouting out that he had been born blind, which spurned the question amongst the disciples— Who sinned, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing versus them just judging him as they walked by. Like, you know, okay, God, I got a question for you. Since you're available right here, let me, you know, ask the Jesus. Um, another thing that I saw that I thought was really interesting because they did talk about, I I saw that rhetoric about people sinning in the womb. I also saw that uh, they considered that Maybe this was a punishment for a sin that the man would later commit. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The precogs. Yeah. Which, oh my gosh, if God did that, that'd be so wild. That's that's foreknowledge and predestination, brother.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to get into that at some point. (laughs) We will. Uh, We will. Not
0: now. No. Not yet. Not not today. Um, But just... I think it's a little bit sad, and we'll talk about this, how... They're looking at this person and like, see this blind man here, you know, yeah. and he's like, I'm right here. You I, can know, hear I, can you hear, I can hear you talking about me. <laughs> <You jerk>. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just really crazy. It's, it
1: is. It's a comical type thing. And One thing that I kind of just thought of is it kind of gives hope for me because this is this is in Jesus' ministry a little ways now mm-hmm. that they're at this point. Yes. And the fact that the disciples are still this ignorant of mm-hmm. simple things of Jesus teaching so far. I mean, has he done the sermon on the mount yet? I think he has. I think he yeah. he's he's relayed some pretty basic information. So that gives me some hope knowing that I, I can still get a lot of things wrong with how I see the world and mm-hmm. Jesus is still there. He he, uh, he corrects me at the times that I need it. Yeah. And so G, and Jesus will as this unfolds.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. And um, thinking back about generational sin, mm-hmm. I was reading that parable or that old Jewish saying that they used to say where it would say the, the fathers would eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth would like buck back because of like the, you know, their oh. mouths yeah. Or whatever, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So yeah, <laughs> <That image>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, uh, this blind guy right here is going, I, I can hear you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why am I being used as a, as an example? And funny, you mentioned that, Josh, because I I did
1: see one more interesting nugget here buried in this question they asked. Um, it, it brings up that age old topic of how loving God can allow evil into the world. Mm. Um, One thing I wanted to point out was Skip Heitzig said this in a sermon I heard once, and it's really stuck with me ever since. He says, The disciples make the man who is suffering with blindness a point of discussion rather than an object of compassion. Mm. Please mark that. We are so used to doing that. Well, I want to get into a theological discussion about the problem of evil. There's a place for that. But there comes a point when you must ask yourself, what are you doing to help alleviate suffering? Is it just a topic of discussion, or is it an object of compassion? Hmm. And isn't that a, a, a great question to ask ourselves? Are we really interested in the meat of that initial question? And have we gone any further in trying to remedy that evil that we're questioning, that we're throwing you know, mm-hmm. in the face of? And not to take away from the fact that there is some legitimate questions people might have, but that really is something I've noticed when a more militant person asks that type of question in the attempt to undermine a loving God. So I'm not really going to expound on that too much in this episode too much further. I just really found it to be some food for thought mm-hmm. that um, the, the disciples kind of came at it like that. It, it was a point of discussion, yeah. rather than an object of compassion. I thought yeah. Skip put that really well.
0: No, I thought that as well.
1: So, um, yeah, let's. Should we uh, continue on, Josh? That's that's all I had for those two verses. Unless you had some more to unpack.
0: Nope. I think we should keep going. Sweet. You want to read it? Sure. Verse three. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Man, that's such a great statement. Yeah, it is. It's one of the I am's, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I have a couple of things on this real quick.
1: Yeah, Uh, there's some to unpack. uh, Yes, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said about Skip Heitzig. Spurgeon said this, Jesus doesn't dwell on the theological puzzle, but on actually helping the man. It is ours not to speculate, but to perform acts of mercy and love, according to the tenor of the gospel. Let us therefore be less inquisitive and more practical, less for cracking doctrinal nuts, and more for bringing forth the bread of life to the starving multitudes. And, um, you know, even with what Jesus said where he said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him, uh, this doesn't mean that God deliberately caused the child to be born blind in order that after so many years, his glory should be displayed in the removal of the blindness. To think so would again be aspersion on the character of God. It does mean that God overruled the disaster of a child's blindness so that when the child grew to manhood, he might, by the recovering of his sight, see the glory of God in the face of Christ and others seeing the work of God might turn to the true light of the world uh, and so yeah it's it's one of those questions that a lot of people ask of why does God allow yep. good things to, or bad things to happen to good people and I love that there's somebody that's turned that around and said why does God allow good things to happen to bad people
1: yeah true yeah and I actually I have a little more to expound on please, that please yeah um, I, I have two points of interest in Jesus' two-point response here. Okay, um, That was very Peggy Hill of me. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> so we, should, uh, we should part for just a second uh, on that idea, I think, that a disability was given to someone so that God could use it. Mm-hmm. And two, this comment of Jesus that night is coming and the time to do God's work is while Jesus is on earth. Mm. Uh, so it seems to read. Uh, To the first point, that the man was born blind so the works of God might be displayed in him, the Moody Bible Commentary says the following, The Lord corrected the disciples, establishing the truth that many disabilities are not the result of sin. In the sovereign plan of God, the man's blindness allowed for the works of God to be displayed in him. This display of God's works has been multiplied as millions have read this story through the centuries. And, The reason I find this interesting is because something that we've all heard concerning the fall of man... After the fall of man, after being kicked out of the garden, we initiated that that fallen system with fallen ways. And and even if you visit Ken Ham's Answers in Genesis website or, or get a Dr. John Morris book, you'll, you'll even see theories on how the genetic system is slowly degraded since the fall, leading to all these disabilities and all sorts of these human ailments. But on the other hand, we see Jesus talks about this ailment as something given to the man in order to bring glory to God. And I don't know if you've heard, Josh, but certain ministries can definitely push this idea of God being so in control of his creation, along with the inevitable ending to bring him glory, that everything that happens, happens because God wills it. Wow. And this has been problematic for many people because we have these situations where some very atrocious things have happened to people. Mm -hmm. And they're told, according to certain, uh, I guess you could say denominations, Uh, That God actually willed those things to happen to them because Romans 8.28 says God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So I do want to mention that Jesus didn't say God made this happen to the blind man. Mm -hmm. He just said it happened. Yes. so that God would be glorified. Yeah. And just like Romans 8:28 doesn't say God causes the evil that eventually turns to glorify him. But that in the end, he will be glorified even in the evil things, which will be turned into something else when all is said and done. Yeah. So, uh, of course, we won't be answering the age-old debate in this episode. I just thought it was really good to mention some of these things because even the disciples immediately took the conversation to those realms, Mm -hmm. just like we still do today. People struggle with it. Yeah. So, uh, as we always say, there's uh, many things that hold true as they all balance intention of one another. Yeah. And this
0: is no no exception here. I could see where somebody could have a really circular discussion with this. For sure. Trying to trap.
1: A lot of times it, it comes from us assuming it's saying something that it just doesn't say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, I thought it was a good thing to point out. I think we both kind of did. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: All right. So shall we move on? Please. All right. In typical fashion, Jesus continues in this scene by backing his teaching up with something no one can really argue with, a miracle. I'm going to start in verse 6, which is picking up where we left off. (laughs) (laughs) After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent, in parentheses. So the man went and washed and came
0: home seeing. Wow. I mean.
1: I mean, just uh, miracle done right there. In one yeah. Verse, yeah. Two verses.
0: Yeah. And using spit. Yeah. Yes. And I, dirt. Uh, yeah. Made some mud. Not to be confused with rock band. Nice. You know, I was thinking of Jesus walking up to this guy. And at first he's hearing um, himself being used as the example of a question. I and mean, then maybe he just has those kind of heightened senses where one doesn't work. So the others work. And so he's like, I can feel the air moving where somebody's actually pointing at me from like two feet away. Really? Where did who's sin this guy or his parents, you yeah. know? And all of a sudden he just feels like, um, maybe Jesus talking to him and, uh, wait, did you say I'm the light of the world? And then he hears, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, his eyes are getting filled with just, wet clay. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I just, it's like, uh, thanks. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a scene to behold, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and for Jesus to say, now go wash in the pool of Siloam, we don't have a reference point of how far this was for him to walk. Yeah. But for him to go was an act of faith Mm -hmm. because he could have been like, oh man, I got to use my favorite rag that I keep to try to clean this off my eyes. Cause it would have felt weird.
1: And he, he still couldn't see on the way there from what it looks like.
0: No, no, I don't think he could until he actually got there to, to clean up. Um, I did notice that Jesus healed people three times with spit surrounding circumstances. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of people mentioned that um, in the new Testament, right around this time, they were identifying saliva as having medicinal qualities. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I've, I've seen that pointed out amongst a lot of commentators. And then another um, couple of commentators mentioned that he changed the methods of his healing so people wouldn't focus on the manner and miss the message. Because one time he spit on the ground and made clay like he did here. Another time he actually spit into the eyes of some man. And then the last time, he um, he put his finger in their ears, and then he grabbed their tongue, like he spit and grabbed their tongue. That's
1: I've never heard it described quite like that, so okay. bluntly like that. Yeah,
0: well, that's Josh right there. <laughs> <laughs> Gospel according to Josh.
1: Well, no, I mean, to get a feel for what, what he was doing, wow, that's, that's something.
0: Yeah, and another— um, Another person pointed out that Jesus doesn't even promise the man his sight. It, it was implied, but it's not specifically promised. He just, next thing you know, this guy's getting something rubbed into his eyes. True. And says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Yeah. And maybe he's heard, again, murmurings about who's around him. Maybe he's hearing that this great rabbi or this healer is in his area. But it it, it takes faith, Because I can imagine him having to walk his hand along the walls of Jerusalem trying to get down to this pool. Um, I guess it was where uh, Hezekiah's tunnel came to a a flow. That's why it's called sent, because the water was sent through Hezekiah's tunnel and pooled in this area. Yeah. And um, you had to walk down, which another kind of dangerous thing as a blind person having to navigate this area. And, um, this is something that I'd never thought of or, um, even considered, but somebody said that Jesus might've used the clay as he's putting it on his eye sockets to actually fashion a new set of eyes from the dirt
1: That's something to think about. Isn't
0: that so cool? Yeah. Uh, You know, just thinking about how God breathed life into the dirt and created Adam. I mean, we, to Jesus, we're just the clay. Yeah. You know, I think that's just so cool. That is. And um, this is the first biblical record of a person being born blind, receiving sight. From Genesis to John, no prophet, priest, or apostle ever gave sight to eyes that were born blind. And that would make a difference. Yes,
1: because some people can could go blind, but this guy was born
0: blind. Yes, yeah, and and we'll talk about that on why that's so significant, especially with the Pharisees' um, interaction of it and their yeah. their uh, wariness of the miracle. So I just thought that was really cool. That um, is, yeah, and. So should we just continue to go on with verse 8? I can read that. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you start on that? Okay. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Which again, to me, rings out a little comical. Uh, (laughs) Verse 10 said, How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. And he said, I don't know. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean this this event really starts to stir the waters at this point, mm-hmm. doesn't it?
0: It really does. I get it. Uh. <laughs> I, I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even trying, you
1: know. But I claim it because I'm just that good. I
0: thought I thought you were like leading into the puns, the dad jokes. No, no, yeah.
1: no. But seriously, this is uh, this is where things start getting stirred up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Him walking back, and I I love that. Well, to me, it's a little bit sad because I feel like again being blind he probably was a second-class citizen, and so his neighbors may not have took a really healthy look at him. Maybe they just walked by him and never really saw him for who he was.
1: Yeah, which is why they, w- they would argue about him being, no, oh, he just looks like him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's obviously this man who was once blind, he's completely and forever changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's those who saw him every single day, like you said, that passed by, and they were confused. Uh People who have been blind their whole life, they just don't simply start seeing all no, of a sudden. No, no. And th- as these things usually went, I mean, the Pharisees get wind of it and that it was done on the Sabbath. And that's when the interrogations really start. So uh, let's jump into 13 and just see how it starts progressing from this point. Yeah. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. he's a prophet mm. <laughs> we got this scene where they they're like interrogating this guy yeah. what happened he yeah said, he washed my eyes what happened he washed my eyes yeah
0: <laughs> different groups same story modernized I washed. now I see oh, yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so it's it's just a confusing situation because this stuff ain't supposed to happen mm-hmm. yeah. And the Pharisees, they bring their accusations. This can't be from God. He was healed on the Sabbath, which is, that just kind of enrages me in itself. That's what they bring. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the elephant in the room shows something only God could do, but they're discounting that because it was done on the Sabbath. Uh It just, it just, it's kind of uh, enraging almost.
0: Yeah. It's another uh, example of them making a mountain out of a molehill, whereas you, you, you focused on the minutia and you missed the miracle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a scene that's starting to unfold, and, and people are confused, and people are starting to divide because some knew what they saw, but they were doubting it. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy situation unfolding here. And I just want to say what Jesus did through his miracles, presence, teachings, it, it broke people free from their boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, just like today, people still choose to disbelieve because they willingly harden their hearts. In verse 16, it shows that age-old dilemma of division between those who believe and those who refuse. In this scene, certain people in the crowd were sold in regard to Jesus. They were all in. Yeah. Yet as we're fixing to see in the next verses, those who refuse to believe are gonna push even harder into that unbelief. Yeah. And that that's where this divide, this is kind of the uh the birth of the divide in this scene.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just wild because we keep mentioning about the Sabbath. And I found this, one of the categories of work specifically forbidden on the Sabbath in the traditional interpretation of the law was kneading. And the making of mudder clay with such simple ingredients as earth and saliva was construed as a form of kneading. I mean, come on! Like, the, <laughs> the expansion of the law from the Ten Original Commandments? Good night! They you, just went crazy! You really have to try hard yeah, and unbelief
1: to to take it to those realms.
0: Yeah, and and them being so mad at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath, and you know he did it specifically on that day to push these buttons and to yeah. cause this to come up. Oh yeah, and you know uh, the fact that they go, "This man is not from God." The way that it reads in the Greek is um, like this form of this man that it says is said with such disdain and contempt. And it's really interesting and it talks about division because the message of Christ is one that does divide and it divides those who trust, And those who do not the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are Mm, perishing but to those who are being saved it is the power of god and so it's just really sad because they they encountered this guy who's only just barely met jesus he hasn't even laid his eyes on him he's only heard his voice yeah he felt his touch Uh uh-huh exactly what i like is that now his eyes are starting to become open about who Jesus is because yeah. he's gone from saying he's a man and now he proclaims that he's a prophet. Yeah. And uh, there a was progression. that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I there's going to be that as we go. Yeah. But there, there was a rabbi who was a prophet who was known for healing on the Sabbath that they didn't give a lot of hassle about him doing it. And so I think maybe if this guy had kind of heard that in circles, he's like, this is a prophet. And and I think he's okay to do what he did on this day. He was trying to almost smooth things over possibly. I don't know. I just, I love his answers. They're always short and to the point. Who was it? I don't know. What did he do? He made mud, put it on my eyes. Now I see. Yeah. I washed.
1: (laughs) You putting know. it that way, it makes me chuckle. <laughs> it, it is very much so like that. Yeah. I mean, like, Who do you say he is? A, a prophet, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on first? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I see. I see your point. Okay. To that. Oh, good. That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, Picking back up in verse
0: 18. Uh, Yeah. Do you want me to keep the story going from here? Yeah. Keep it going. Okay. Verse 18. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? (laughs) I'm sorry. The way that they're asking this is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, Such loaded questions. Yeah. They say, we know he is our son, the parents (laughs) answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Um, Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Yeah. I mean, golly. It's a sad scene. It It is. It is. Uh, I just, the, the way that it's like, they still didn't believe that he had been blind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get his parents in here because we know his neighbors are talking about this and, and they can't agree on anything and we, we can't use him as a reliable witness. Let's get his parents up in here.
1: You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the corrupt religious leaders in the medieval times that would force people to admit to being a witch yes. or all of this stuff. There's
0: coming that point where they say that.
1: Yeah. They, I mean, the way they're probing and the way they're phrasing the questions and Mm -hmm. everything it's it man, why are they hardening their hearts so much yeah. when it's so clear?
0: Well, um, the way that they're asking these questions imply like they're, they're discovering some sort of conspiracy. Like Jesus had found two guys that looked alike, like one was blind and one was sighted. And at the at the, at the miracle, he, he did the old switcheroo. And yeah. now he brings in the sighted guy and he's like, look what I did. And they're like, we, we know it's not you. You're, yeah. you're not the guy.
1: That's that's really interesting. So is it the commentaries mention it they're it's almost like they're un- unpacking a conspiracy? Mm-hmm. So that, that makes me think of like that verse where Jesus says, when you when you take a young person and make them twice as much a son of hell as yourself.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And just the fact, like, almost like they're playing for the other team. Yeah. Not just oh. ignorant, but playing for the other team. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That almost, it makes me think of those those realms.
0: Well, and it makes me think of two people that are liars are like looking for lies in the other person's thing. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, I know you're deceiving me because I can smell deception. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Some of it just... I'm sure just human nature, mm-hmm. but it seems very nefarious. Yeah,
0: well, and they're very skeptical. And again, here's the savior of the world, the one that they'd been waiting for in front of them, but they're he's the cornerstone that they're rejecting. Yeah. And uh, I know I got to do the reading, but I just think it's hilarious where the parents are talking and and, and they're walking on eggshells. Yeah. Yeah, I liked he's your our son. And yeah, he was born blind. You know? I think that was a good representation <laughs> of
1: what they were probably sounding like.
0: Yeah. Because uh, they were afraid. They were. I mean, it's so sad that they were, A, being scared of being thrown out of church, and B, that seeing their son healed didn't give them boldness to stand up for him.
1: Yeah. It goes to show just how far people will go, even avoiding truth because they're controlled by fear. Yeah. Um, they have a chance here to stand by their own son, who's just been healed by the Messiah, but they cave to fear. Mm-hmm. And it's it just goes to show how, how much people can be controlled by that.
0: Well, and, and what's wild is John, later on in his book, tells us that this is a common thread because john chapter 12 verses 42 and 43 says this yet at the same time many even among the leaders believed in him but because of the pharisees they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue for they loved human praise more than the praise from god yeah And so um, even those in leadership, whether that's Sanhedrin or whether that's um, just Jewish rulers, they were concerned.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's a a cool point there that that not all Pharisees were bad. Mm -hmm. I mean – They were in religious leadership, and we, as uh, whether you're a Westerner or, or just in our current times, we read the word Pharisee, and we automatically think bad person. Yes. But they were just people in religious leadership positions, and we see this divide even amongst them. Yeah. A human heart is a human heart regardless of where it's positioned in society. And it's starting this divide.
0: Well, and I go back to even when they, they, um, made the judgment to condemn Jesus to crucifixion. They knew not to call everybody to that meeting exactly because there were going to be naysayers to say, don't do it. Like Mm -hmm. Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea. There were going to be some that were like, let's not, (laughs) this is not a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, one other person pointed out that with the parents, it was all, uh, emphatic pronouns all the time he <laughs> is ask him he can speak for himself like just hard <laughs> they even had
1: problems with pronouns back then
0: yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i just got that okay <laughs> so we're uh, we're at 24 do you want to continue reading
1: Le- yes let us do it verse 24 a second time they summoned the man who had been blind Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are his fellow disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening eyes Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man. (laughs) It's getting so so real. It's getting so heated. I love love the confidence he has there at the end. But we got to go back and kind of dissect a little bit of what was said uh, back up.
0: In verse 24 and 25, don't you think, Josh? Yes, yeah. And right off the bat is that whole witch hunt thing. Yeah. It's that um, we're going to compulse you exactly. to say what we want you to Give say. Give glory to God by telling the truth.
1: <laughs> Man, such a forceful statement of change your story.
0: Yes, yeah. More like lie to us and tell us what we want to hear.
1: Yeah. Go or, on and lie to me. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: A great blues song. Sorry. <laughs> um no, but seriously it is. It, it and that is the the main point I see to your point of the medieval example of them just really probing for him to change his story. Uh-huh. Exactly.
0: And how ironic, give glory to God.
1: Oh, that's when, that is enraging in itself. Yes, but
0: he how is giving glory you. to God by telling them exactly what God did. I'm about to go Greta Thunberg on them. <laughs> oh man. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs>
1: You know, in verse 25 here is by far my favorite verse of this whole story. Mm -hmm. This man's encounter with Jesus overshadowed everything he once feared. His parents were afraid of becoming outcasts, being thrown out of the synagogue. They caved to fear. But this man, who was once blind and can now see, he knows the truth that just set him free. Mm -hmm. And based on his next response um, and the fact that he already admitted that he thinks Jesus is a prophet— Uh, That phrasing, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know, when he said that, I believe that was a remark of sarcasm, because he goes on to boldly declare the stupidity of the Pharisees on their baseless accusations. So... This is really just, it's a fascinating um, back and forth between the Pharisees and this man Mm -hmm. right here in this uh, particular portion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When he says one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And I've heard so many pastors that say, argue with a changed life. Yeah. You know, you can't argue with a testimony. Exactly. You can doubt it. Mm-hmm. but
1: you can't say that didn't happen to you. Uh, you can't change what really happened. Yes. I
0: guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue with the change life. And I mean, I know there's behavior modification and we really have to watch out for that. But, um, what is it James McDonald says? If your faith hasn't changed you, then your faith hasn't saved you. And I think yeah. that's one of the, biggest uh, evidences of God working in our life is change yeah and this man experienced monumental change yeah. you know because and he I I um I guess I relate him to as an unlearned blind guy who has better theology and debating skills than the Pharisees. Yeah. Who, if you had to, you know, if you go through the education that a Pharisee had to go through and you find out some of the things that they had to be able to accomplish to become a Pharisee,
1: yeah.
0: it was tremendous. Like we, I, don't, I don't think I have the dedication of what it would take to become a Pharisee. When you talk about taking the law and uh, rolling it up in a scroll and putting a nail through it and then being able to identify the letters that the nail went through on that specific scroll to fill it in um, by memory— yeah, have you ever heard that part? I
1: haven't, but I, I've heard similar things to the ends they went to to know the scripture and
0: the exactness of it. Oh, good, okay. Because I hadn't as, heard that particular one. As I was one, saying though, that, I was like, "Did I dream that one?" I hadn't heard okay. it, but it doesn't surprise me. I have heard that somewhere. I just pulled that from the recesses of some memory. <laughs> from it was the spirit. Yeah, sorry, the, the spirit was hoping to jest. No, about I, the spirit. Yeah, of baby. course yeah. not, yeah. Um, Stephen. Uh, we will talk after. Whether that, that so. was the spirit or not, I do not know. <laughs> this is one thing I do know. Is that <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, tomorrow when I know I'm going to have a bad day at work, I'm going to think of
0: that. <laughs> well, and I do. I appreciate, again, feeling the comedy of this story is that you almost feel like so many of his lines are said with a hint or a tinge of wit and sarcasm. Yeah. Where he's like, I, I don't know, but I do know this. And then he's like, I've already told you and you're not listening. Yes. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you all want to become his disciples too? Because I mean, that I, was for sure. That had to have been oh, sarcasm. Oh, absolutely. I don't think you can
1: really read it any other way. Yeah.
0: And then they start uh, hurling insults at him. Yeah. Which is what men of righteousness always do. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's what I pointed out is that these are supposed to be the pastors of the people. They abused him. They insulted him. And then they rejected him. Yeah. How incredibly terrible is that?
1: Well, and your point, too, I don't mean to cut you off there. You, you didn't. Uh, to your point on him uh, probably being unlearned and then having this boost of debating skills all of a sudden because he was just had an encounter with Christ mm-hmm. makes me think of Peter. Man, yeah. Talk about foot-in-your-mouth syndrome. He was the worst. And think of his first sermon just insane um a new ability to debate yes, the truth yeah, of god yeah and that reminds me of here i mean these and, and these pharisees here in a minute they're going to point out to the fact that how dare you lecture us mm-hmm. because to your point we went through all the schooling you didn't yeah yeah they're being threatened by what he's saying
0: yeah and, and i appreciate even the the text surrounding our snakebird um proof text of saying you know yeah. be wise as serpents gentle as doves is that um Earlier in the chapter, God says, don't worry about what you say if they drag you into court. Oh, yeah. And I've always kind of envisioned this story as happening in like a, a Jewish... Uh, outdoor corridor type of hallway, but from my understanding is that they were actually dragging him into their place of decision, yeah, and surrounding him in a sense and interrogating him as if he's on a witness stand.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's so, actually one thing that I point out. Oh, okay, here okay. after we read these next few verses, okay. that, that's right on the money from what I read.
0: I got some thunder in my pocket because I just stole it. <laughs> <laughs> Colin used Zeus <laughs> yeah. oh mercy we're dumb <laughs> <It's> so
1: <laughs> dumb so <laughs> dumb Let's uh, let's cut cut the dumb out and, and jump back in the verses, shall okay. we? Yeah, I have a couple more points. Oh, okay. if that's all right. Yeah, go for it.
0: Well, it just cracks me up that again they start referring to Jesus as this fellow, Yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, then they have to bring up their daddy Moses. <laughs> you know, this is the
1: original point that people started calling God Daddy. I guess, <laughs> or, or no, yeah. No, their leader. If
0: you've listened Moses. to our Daddy episode, <laughs> yeah. they were like, "But we are disciples of Moses, and we know that God spoke to Moses." We know daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And I mean, yeah. the fact that they have to rely on their pride yeah. to come back to, and it's not even Father Abraham. It's it's Moses, the, the law, you know, yeah. and oh, it just, it hurts my heart because again, and I know the lord is going to come and he's going to reveal himself to the jews and and there are a lot of messianic jewish people out there but it hurts my heart to see them reject god and and i mean i i sound like i'm getting teared up because i am it just it's so sad to see the creator of the universe standing right in front of them and and being so spiritually pompous that you miss it and i don't want to Pass that up in my life because there's been times where I've been prideful and in my pride, I've missed opportunities to love people. And in my pride, I've missed opportunities to, to show the love of Jesus. And I've missed opportunities for God to move. And so it's very easy to wear a hat of judgment when I look at the Pharisees, but I also want to put myself in their shoes and be like, um, more sad than judgy. I yeah. um, mean, as we should all. Yeah, because... This this guy, he's just being real and he's he's on the spot and, and yet he's holding his own. And some of it is his wit and some of it is definitely the Holy Spirit and yeah. the Lord kind of speaking through him. But it's so sad to think that these were supposed to be the spiritual leaders and they they weren't living up to that. And so I think just introspectively, I want to look at my heart and make sure that, you know, I, I never do that because... Yeah. Um, Uh, that's just a scary thought. And, and he does bring up an interesting theological point, um, because he says, um, he says, now that is remarkable. Another, uh, sarcastic saying (laughs) you don't know where he comes from yet he opened my eyes we know that god does not listen to sinners he listens to the godly person who does his will i think it was a couple episodes ago where we talked about um in our mailbag a guy that said that he feels like god is not hearing him anymore and we we talked about the different verses that say that um god listens to those that are that are praying uh, with a heart of righteousness, but those that are like leaning into sin, he uh, he turns an ear from. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I found this, I just wanted to read this to make sure that we understand the theology of it. The man's statement was in one sense true and in another sense false. God is certainly under no obligation to hear the prayer of the man or woman in rebellion against him. Yet in his mercy and for his ultimate wise purpose, he may hear the unrepentant sinner. Um, yet this man's statement was completely true in this sense. If Christ had been an imposter, it is not possible to conceive that God would have listened to his prayer and given him the power to open this blind man's eyes. Because when he concluded with that statement, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing, that was very true. I mm. mean, he was spouting straight theology there.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it's saying he he could not do the miraculous. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Okay. If he were not from God.
0: Okay. I mean, you could argue that demonically he could have opened his eyes but. there's
1: yeah i w- that's just where my mind okay. th- thought of some instance i wonder well one thing i was wondering in that is i wonder if that was another yet another thing that the pharisees he was playing off of their belief maybe yeah i don't know yeah it's just me thinking out loud
0: no i know just it, it's kind of wild to get into some of the theology that gets um i guess tossed around through yeah. these arguments because we know the pharisees are arguing from one slant and then this guy yeah. is just he's quick on his feet
1: well so. we have to keep remember too i think a lot of times people say well it's in the bible it's true sometimes people in the bible say something that's half mm-hmm. in the truth half not and we, i mean we we can read if it came out of jesus's mouth we know it's true but yeah you know so that's yeah no that's that's some food for thought for sure yeah
0: All right, so do we want to just read the rest of the chapter and then uh, kind of make some notes and our conclusions?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, It's, I'm guessing, 34 through 41, I think. We read through 33, didn't we? Yes. Okay. Uh, Do you want me to take that, Josh? Go for it. All right. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus had heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' "'Who is he, sir?' the man asked. "'Tell me so that I may believe in him.' Jesus said, "'You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you.' And the man said, "'Lord, I believe,' and he worshipped him. Jesus said, "'For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who will see will become blind.'" Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Wow. And that's just where the story kind of comes comes to an end in some hard truth. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the Pharisees and the fellow doubters, have they've all heard the witnesses. Many of them had seen with their own eyes the very miracle. But now they're making a decision to dive deeper into unbelief. Um, Emphasis on the fact that they're choosing this unbelief. After the healed man refused to deny—I wish we had a name for him, but uh, I just have to say after the man healed refused to deny the truth of what happened and the truth about who Jesus is, they revert back to their old belief that this man had to have sinned before birth, Mm. which is why— They believed he was born blind in the first place. And they just start hurling the insults at him. They throw him out. And this scene is just, on the other hand, fantastic. Because Mm -hmm. it's one of those grand exit moments where Jesus just makes a mic drop statement before dusting his feet off and moving on to his next part of the mission. Yeah. Um, What I couldn't help but notice in the layout of this story into the last scene here is remarkable because it finalizes this story in a way that is directly translatable to how people are safe today. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, this blind man has an encounter with Jesus, much like the Holy Spirit coming alongside someone who God is reaching for. Uh, Next, he does something miraculous in the man's life as he awakens him with a healing experience. And then this once blind man starts to get some resistance from the world, trying to convince him that Jesus is a fraud. Just like the parable of the sowing of the seeds and the devil tries to steal the truth and all that. And then after all this chaos, Jesus turns to the man and asks him, do you believe? Mm -hmm. At which point the man makes that saving choice of belief and starts worshiping. It's just a perfect representation of how anyone uh, comes to belief. And uh, in the closing of the story, Jesus sums it up by revealing the hard truth that regarding him is that in this world, the blind will see and those who claim to see will be blind. Mm Hmm. Um, of course, it takes the Pharisees off because they, they claim to see
0: spiritual truth, don't they? They do, yeah. And uh, this is the part where I'm supposed to say, now you have some thunder in your pocket. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I've got the word mic drop in my notes, too. <laughs> but, oh, no,
1: my bad. <laughs> no, um, I just...
0: Even. that's. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think you have to love that Jesus finds the man who's been cast out the guy who's been rejected by this religious council, that he goes and he searches him out. And um, I think Spurgeon said this, he that enjoys the favor of the Son of God will not tremble at the frown of the Sanhedrin. And uh, for me, it's just wild that the religious leader said, you can't worship with us at the temple. And Jesus says, that's all right. I'll receive your worship wherever you're at.
1: Oh, amen. That's awesome.
0: And the guy... Unlike his parents, he chose the better thing, you know, and and it feels like, um, someone said that the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter five, who had been, um, infirmed for 38 years and was like, I have nobody to push me in the water. And Jesus says, do you want to be made? Well, Mm -hmm. um, they said that they felt like that was a spiritual illustration of Israel at the time that Jesus was showing their restoration and their healing. And that this guy was more of the restoration and the gospel going out to the Gentiles, because he's like, I don't need the temple. I don't need the spiritual things. I just need you hmm. because his whole life, he had never been able to go to the temple anyway, because he was blind Yeah, and they would have rejected him. And so I, I know that there's a lot to unpack if you wanted to carry the illustration out, but, um, as you said it with salvation, I wanted to note his spiritual progression in the way that he referred to Jesus. Mm. Cause at first he refers to him as a man and then as a prophet. And then he said, he's from God. And mm-hmm. then the next thing he said, he is the son of God. And then he said, he's the one I believe in. And lastly, he says He's the one I worship. Yeah. And just man, it's so cool to see that. And and that's where I feel like the book of John is filled with these here's the thunder part, these mic drop moments. Yeah, yeah they really you are. You know, really. and there's multiple in this story. The first one is when Jesus says, While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Yes. Because here is a man who is doubly blind, both blind in sight and blind in darkness, and Jesus says, I'm about to open your eyes to off. And it's so cool, you know, and then verse 25, um, we've, we talked on it a little bit, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing that I do know is I was blind, but now I see, and I can't help but think of John Bunyan's famous words that have been sung over and over in countless different forms of tunes. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Yeah. And the last mic drop moment is Jesus and I almost imagine him dead eye staring at those Pharisees that were always kind of hanging out on the fringe of his group just trying to see what was going on. Um he says, "If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains." Oh yeah. I mean, He's just trying to reach them. And, and if, even if that means tough love, he is trying to reach out to those Pharisees. And um, it's interesting to know that as we talked about some of them earlier, he really did get through to some, but others, their hearts just kept getting harder like the, mm-hmm. like the Pharaoh. Yeah. So.
1: And that last scene with um, what he responded to the Pharisees with when they asked, oh, are we blind too? It just goes to show that we're judged by what we know and what we have found to be true, and Mm -hmm. what we do with that knowledge going forward. We're
0: accountable.
1: Yes, and it's really a takeaway point I would just throw out there to anyone listening who has that inner voice tugging at them. Even now, if that's you, then that's him. Hmm. And I would really encourage you to make that step with the knowledge that you know with with this encounter with Jesus, because he is right there waiting, knocking at the door of your heart
0: hmm that's that's really good i i feel like um it's just it's important for all of us to examine our lives and to see where we're at you know is there change in my life that's evident of the work of jesus christ in my heart and if I look at his progression and if at any point I, I go, man, prophet, God, son of God, yeah. whom I believe and whom I worship. If at any point I start to take steps back in that progression, then it's time to look at my heart and see where I've gone spiritually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're talking about like doubting Jesus?
0: Yeah, or just, you know, have I backslid? Have Has my relationship with the Lord suffered in any way, shape, or form? And this is not a, uh, like, I've lost my salvation type of comment. It's just, has the fire gone out because I'm not adding to the flame? Mm. Because I have um, walked away a little bit. Is Has my relationship suffered because I am not investing into it? Yeah,
1: yeah. That's something we all have to be on on Mm -hmm. the lookout for in our walks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the way some people put it is take that spiritual inventory because I can only imagine this guy's passion for the Lord at this point and how excited he was to move forward uh, with the Lord. Yeah, Amen.
1: That's that's pretty much all I have on the story, Josh. Is there any other uh, history that you looked into that that drew some conclusions on what happened
0: after this or anything I like could, that? I couldn't find anything. It's like the yeah. name. This he it's appears this in spot. John chapter nine, yeah, and then John chapter ten, and it, it keeps going. And Jesus has those wonderful, awesome "I am" statements that continue yeah. on. It's it's so neat to see this snapshot um just in a random uh portion of the book of John that Yeah. What that an awesome can, chapter. Yeah, exactly.
1: It it's really a fantastic and, and we call it a profile. I don't have his name, but man, this was a great character.
0: Yeah. Man born blind. Yeah. Also known as Valdemort. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> or Humphrey. Yeah, that's hilarious. No, is. yeah. <laughs> you know, the only other thing that I would add at the end here is um I really um feel God drawing my attention to also that scene where they were questioning everybody. They brought the, the man in himself and his parents. They were asking everybody what happened. And I just got to say, there's, there's some lines in the sand that are being drawn mm-hmm. in our modern age right now. And I would really encourage the Christians out there that are listening that we we got to make a choice on which side of that line we are going to stand on. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of the voices pulling us one direction or another, if we choose this, then we're going to be not accepted by the majority of the people we respect or we think we respect or anything. We've got to choose in this day and age which side of the line we stand on. Yeah. And his his parents had a real hard time with that, even though this blind man who was healed, that was their son. and They couldn't even do it. And I just really encourage you out there, um, know the God you serve, His power, how He will come through for you, and stand on His side of the line. Hmm. Because there's a lot of things out there trying to pull you on one side or the
0: other. Amen. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's well said.
1: Well, that just that came, not in my notes, but felt God put it on my heart, really did. But Yeah. Anyway, we hope you all enjoyed the the story. I I really, I don't know if I've really
0: looked into this story as much as I did for this episode. Yeah. It
1: it really got me uh, just reading through it in depth.
0: Yeah. The profile segment continues to be one of my favorite ones that we do. And when I came across this, I was like, oh, I can't wait to just talk about this guy because even though he has no name, he has quite the story. Yeah, Yeah. he really does. It's awesome. Yeah. And if there's somebody that you want us to profile, we'd love to hear from that. Uh, We'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, (laughs) It
1: sounded like a criminal type of thing. (laughs) We're going to profile another 48 hours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But seriously, send them in. If you got a character, you heard a a weird name or perhaps you went to a baby shower and they gave you a weird name for their child. And you're like, where did that come from? The Bible, the Bible. Tell us about this weird name.
0: Yeah. Even if we have to do like a grab bag of like three, weird names that all go together yeah, for some, right. some crazy reason. We'll do that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, send them to us. Snakebird grab bag. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's good. We got mailbag and we can go grab
0: bag. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb. It's late. Let's it stop. <laughs> if you want to submit your profile request, uh, you can do so on our Facebook or through our email at connect at basnakebird.com that's right and
1: uh, don't forget helps us out tremendously uh, gets us to more ears out there if you give us a, a rating review a, a few good words helps a lot too so if God puts it on your heart we would greatly appreciate it and uh, like Josh said just please reach out to us we'd love to hear y'all's feedback mm-hmm. uh, even if it's not a show episode uh, topic or something just just to reach out and say hey we're listening um, just let us know you're there that is really encouraging for us so um, it's Please do that if God puts that
0: on your heart, too. That would be great, yeah. So, snakebirds, always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, even if it's a bunch of judgy Pharisees, there's never been a better time to follow the way
1: of Jesus.
0: And And be a snakebird.
1: Uh, that's that's what I tell people when when you see Sasquatch don't doubt your sighting I'm
0: sorry I don't know why that came so stupid okay let me oh I was like let's do that (laughs) one of the categories of work specifically forbidden on the Sabbath in the traditional interpretation of the law was kneading not like kneading loving (laughs) more like kneading dough I don't know why he's (laughs) taught
1: So stupid. Your mind cracks me up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.